McNulty stunning for everyone to get up above Cargill and find Bennett. It's into the box. McNulty cut back for Roberts. It's Gary Roberts no, from Bosby. are leading in the fourth round of the FA Cup. Mark McNulty, but a good chance by Doyle for McNulty on the edge. Mark McNulty oh, short yes. for Bosby. Smashes it past McCormack. One by Doyle. Finished by the returning Mark McNulty. First left blood for Bosby. They're in dreamland early here at Bratton. There's a through ball to Jamal Lowe. Jamal Lowe's onside. The flag stayed down. Jamal Lowe. Nonchalant. Fantastic. Brilliant. Pompey will be promoted at this rate. That is it. Pompey are champions. They won League Two in the most dramatic of circumstances. The PO4 podcast with Hugh Bunce. Proud to be Pompey. Hi, Bombay fans, and welcome to Pew Forecast episode 209. It's January, so it's time for the episode that everyone wants to listen to. It's the transfer special. Join the podcast today is Freddie Webb. How are you, Freddie? Oh, not so bad, Hugh. Yeah, transfer special time. Exciting. Oh, we might, well, we need it now since Alex Robertson's out for the season. That was, it was gutting news that distracted me all day, but we will try and think of some names where hopefully Pompey can continue their form if, you know, if they get the actual re- reinforcements they need, because it's it's quite obvious that we do need them now. Yeah, exactly. And you know, people at home thinking it's ruined their evening with the news of Alex Robertson. We're here to give you a little bit of sunshine here. So bring it back on the podcast. It's friend of the show and EFL pundit, Gabe Sutton. How are you, Gabe? Hello, Hugh. Great. <clears throat> Excuse me. Sounding a bit like Sean Dyche there. Um yeah, thanks so much for having me on. Uh, great to be on the podcast and look forward to chatting with some some names with you. It feels like a um, a biannual tradition, doesn't it? Yeah, it is as well. And people will ask us during the season, or oh, who should we sign? We're like, it's November, calm down. We're going to bring this to you in January and then back in the summer again. But it's always a lot of fun doing this podcast with you as well and just, you know, bouncing these ideas off you over the season and sort of narrowing our list down and trying to make sure it's not this extensive list despite what Andy Mitchell thinks it's going to be a lot more concise than that Fred do you wanted to talk about your methodology yeah sure so the main thing I looked at largely I just narrowed down each position and just tried to figure out what we want each of these players to do so for example with the attack of the field at Alex Robertson replacement we're assuming that Joe Morell and Marlon Pack will stay deeper in the middle and obviously you've got Ben Stevenson Tom Lowry coming back so really, it's just a person with high number of key passes, high number of assists and expected assists, someone who can progress the ball slightly through dribbles and then hit a key through ball to a Colby Bishop or a Paddy Lane, for example. And then, yeah, we tried to keep it as realistic as we possibly could. But obviously, it is January. It's the, I know we always hear it in the news saying it's the hardest window to recruit in, and it definitely is because you have got players that nobody wants, players are injured, or players you're going to have to pay an absolute war chest to be able to get. So fingers crossed we've actually be able to get some. But no, we've tried to fit Rishus's like age profile of around 26 and under. Also tried to figure out players with some good analytical numbers, but have also played a lot of games as well, or tried to. Unless it's a backup player, then we'll mention it. So yeah, hopefully we've been fairly precise on this one. What we're going to do is we're going to go on a little round table. You've done on previous episodes in the same situation. So why not? I'm talking already. I'm going to start us off with one. We're going to start at the back. We're going to start at centre-back. Every team should build from the back outwards, as they say, and some uh, some managers would say. So let's get going. I'm going to start with Andy Smith, centre-back at Hull. 22 years old. He signed a new contract with Hull in October. 
He's contracted until 2026 with the option of a year. He's had a successful loan spell previously at Grimsby, so I'm interested to hear what Gabe thinks about that loan spell. He's paid in the, paid in the cup last week, but he's finding chances maybe a little bit limited with Alfie Jones and Jacob Greaves starting for Hull. Liam Rossiter likes to play a formation and a system I think would fit in the way that we play as well. Sort of a 4-2-3-1 possession football uh, and he's pretty comfortable with the ball at his feet. So I'll kick us off there, Gabe. What do you think of Andy Smith, 22 from Hull? Well, do you know what? It feels to me, guys, like Portsmouth have this recruitment policy under Richard Hughes. I'm seeing this pattern where you're signing players not necessarily when they're at this hottest, most in-demand point. Like I look at... The signing of Connor Shaughnessy, for instance, he actually was back up at Burton to a couple of other centre halves and they finished towards the bottom of the league. And on paper, you'd probably, you know, if you didn't have as much trust in the recruitment strategy as maybe we do and uh, in Richard Hughes, you'd have said, what, you know, what, you know, what are you doing sort of thing? Um, and actually, Connor Shaughnessy, this is someone who's um, really highly rated by Marcelo Bielsa when he was at Leeds tall and I, I you know not just to kind of prove the point they saw something in Connor Shaughnessy that meant that they went for him even when he wasn't necessarily hot in form in demand I kind of see a bit of a parallel with Andy Smith because he has had a couple of good loan spells at Grimsby and this season hasn't maybe quite gone exactly as he might have hoped so I think that there's probably an opportunity for Portsmouth to pick up someone like that that's clearly really talented that's shown that in the National League and in the League Two but also someone that um, may be attainable at a, yeah, a modest fee as well because there isn't that sense of everyone up and down the country looking at Andy Smith and thinking how can we get him so yeah I, it would sort of seem to fit the recruitment strategy for me. Go on then Fred take us away. Yeah, sure. Well, Pompey in a bit, bit of a bind centre-half-wise, because obviously with Regan Poole that injured, long-term you expect the partnership between Poole and Shoffnessy to retain for next season. Even, potentially, even in the Championship, we'll have to see. So the, the centre-half we're sort of looking at has to be able to come in, fight for a place with Sean Ragger, but also potentially be content with fighting for an unguaranteed spot next season. It's a bit of a tricky one. One player who I liked anyway, from just a purely defensive standpoint, his passing is okay, is Oliver Casey from Blackpool. 23 years old, was up there with one of the best defensive dual rates in the entire league for centre-halves who played at least 10 games. Going to Scout, his advanced passing metrics that I like, passes to final third and progressive passes are okay. But it's it's not a foolproof way of looking at ball-playing centre-halves because last season, Riga Pauls advanced passing metrics were average when he played at Lincoln, but this season they're much better with a, a better team. But now I've watched Oliver Casey a little bit. I've really liked his defensive work, how he played, a strong positional sense, but also fairly reasonable on the ball. I've no idea how realistic that transfer would be because Blackpool are obviously going for the playoffs as well. But okay, what do you think of Oliver Casey as a player? I think... Um... He's uh, he's probably having the best season of his career so far. So probably goes against the theme that sort of we discussed just then. But yeah, I think uh, certainly the way Mazzinho likes to play, someone that's got ability on the ball, but also has a bit of proven himself at this level in the in the way that maybe Andy Smith hasn't yet. I suppose that would be an advantage because Regan Poole is someone who came to Portsmouth with a reasonable amount of experience. And yeah, I suppose you're trying to replace that a little bit. So yeah, I could see that one making sense. The only one, uh, the only area I'd question would be whether Blackpool would be uh, willing to let one of their key defenders go to 
um, a team in the same league? That would be my sort of question mark. Because I don't know whether you'd be able to afford the transfer fee required to take him away. All right, nice one. We've got some different sort of players there and different sort of hits. Gabe, do you want to suggest one now? Or do you want us to go for ours and then we can we can come to you afterwards for suggestions? We're looking at centre-halves, are we? Yeah, you're looking at centre-halves. Um, I would say um, Brad Hills at Accrington Stanley is an option. You've already done business with Norwich in the loan market for Abu Kamara, um, and that's proved a hit. I think Brad Hills would could be a hit as well. Um, the risk, I suppose, is that he is only 19. This is his first senior loan, and going to a League One side competing at the top would be a bit of a risk. Um, but I think he's maturing superbly, and I think he could could do really well. But I also really like Conor O'Rourke at Crew. He'd command. Um, a um a 500k um release clause uh but a bit less of a risk with a Rodden in terms of ex- lack of experience because he's played in league one before he actually man marked um sam votes in one of his first games for Cry alexandra and he's got a lot of games under his belt at this stage even though he's actually the same age so um i really like conroe Rodden. i really like that suggestion too i think that's that's one of those players that I think we look at having a bit of experience, as you said already, talking about Regan Paul and just bringing someone in who's a bit more steady and established, but has that potential as well to be a good player for us this season. And then I'm going to buck against that trend here. I'm going to go completely against what I just said there, of what I agree with you. I'm going to put one in here, uh, which is a little bit more left field. And after the hit we had with the Zach Swanson signing before, I'm going to dig back into that. I'm going to shoot myself if it goes wrong. And I'm going to go with Ruel Walters. He's a centre-back or right-back, 19 years old for Arsenal. He's played in the Prem 2 this season, one assist in nine games. He's a progressive passer, England to 19 international. He's made the bench for Arsenal eight times before. He can play centre-back. He's very good at bringing the ball out, controlling play. His tackling's good. But he can also play at right-back because he's got a lot of pace and he can get forward as well. He's got a good range of passing, as I've mentioned, and he's been involved in their pre and their preseason development camps. So you were kind of thinking, okay, maybe they're going to keep hold of him, but Arsenal have got a bit of a glut of players at the moment who are sort of not quite making the step up to the first team, maybe stagnating a little bit in the in the development squad there. And they've also had, apparently, when speaking to someone at Arsenal, they've had a bit of a system where they've been loaning players out to abroad effectively, and it's not worked. So I think the club are now looking for to loan some of these players out to the domestic clubs. And as well as that, there is a potential as well, not just for a loan, they might end up selling one of these players if they don't see him going forward. So I'm going to go with Ruel Walters, 19 years old, from Arsenal. Is that a player you're familiar with at all, Gabe? Or am I just picking players um, no, out? No, not familiar there? with him at all, no. There you go. All right, we had the same with Swanson. So let's let's put that in there and see if, uh, see if we hit gold again. Fred, do you want to take the next one? Yeah, sure. I think this will be a player that Gabe's familiar with because he plays for League Two. He's in that age bracket where he might be willing to fight for a place and not have a guaranteed spot. But it was the fact that his advanced passing metrics that I mentioned before with the Regan Pool discussion, they're pretty high in League Two. I think they're in the top five or top ten. And that's Udoka Godwin Malifi, who plays for Swindon. Like I said, very high progressive passing, very high passes to final third. Massinho likes that because he wants to play the ball out properly and progress it that way while giving the midfield another option as well. His dual win rates are about slightly above average or average in League Two, which is a bit of a concern for me for a division below. But it seems to me that he could be a pick if you just want a player who's more on the ball play aspect rather than defensive positioning. I'm not sure if how, how much Gabe likes Belief or not. 
Yeah, and I um, he's been part of quite a leaky uh, Swindon defence collectively, and I suppose you can kind of um, you know someone a bit more closely associated with Swindon might be able to sort of pick out how much at fault has been for those, some of those defensive issues but I, I would sort of bear that in mind at least from my perspective when I've seen him at Forest Green Rovers first of all he has been a bit on and off with injuries so that has been something that he's uh, struggled with a bit at times in his career and um, his main strength I would say has been playing on the right of a back three uh, because he's very quick and strong uh, loves his 1v1s decent on the ball it's interesting to hear that his, his metrics have possibly even improved when he was at Swindon so I think that aspect of it would be encouraging but whether I would necessarily go for him to pair him with um uh, Connor Shaughnessy, I'm not sure he'd quite be the right fit for me personally, because um, I think I see him more as a right for back three type of defender than uh, necessarily playing as a centre back. Let's carry this on and let's shout out Joff Taylor, who mentioned this first back, you know, months and months ago, six months back, and spoke about how he'd be a good player for us. And it's been picked up a bit more in the media as we've gone on. I know Jack concluded his medium article. I'd be interested to hear what you think, Gabe, in this with Ben Nelson from Leicester. Mm. Obviously, he played on. He's played at Rochdale. He's played at Doncaster. Despite being quite a young player at 19 years old, he looks like he's pretty solid. He can also bring the ball out pretty well. So his defensive metrics look good on duels, which is one. But also his progressive runs look pretty decent as well. So just wondered what you think if he'd fit in that role with Connor Shaughnessy and, and how much that how that would work, Gabe. Yeah, well, he's certainly clearly very highly rated at Leicester by uh, Enzo Maresca. He's probably in the unfortunate situation that they've got Wout and Yannick Vestergaard, who have both been uh, in really good form this season. And they've got Connor Cody, who's an experienced, consistent Premier League defender as well. So Ben Nielsen is very much fourth choice, and that's always going to make it difficult. Combined with the fact that I would say his loan moves, I think I'm right in saying... Uh, he's not necessarily torn up trees out on loan, uh, partly maybe because he's been playing in um, maybe not the best sides. Rochelle were relegated last season and Doncaster were very much out of form in the second half of last season. So he hasn't gone into the best environments. But I would maybe be inclined to say that ideally to replace someone of Regan Paul's leadership, um, unless you're going for someone with who's a top, top international talent who's, you know, you're gambling on the first time loan because they're that good. I would maybe say that you'd want someone who's got a bit more football league experience under their belt um, and you kind of know how their skill sets and talents are going to translate. Um, I'm a little bit, yeah, look, I know Ben Nelson's clearly a talent and he's really highly thought of at Leicester, but I also feel like we're yet to see how his skill set really translates to League Two level. Um, some of that's not his fault, but at the same time, there is an absence of evidence, you'd say. So, yeah, it's one of those things where high ceiling, but maybe, you know, low floor. So it could be a hit with that sort of ability, but at yeah. the same time... He's England under-19's under talent, so clearly he's got something about him. Yeah. Well, that would be one of those ones, I suppose, we'd have to leave up to the scouting staff if they believed him in that sense. Um, Fred, have you got any more to go through? Yeah, there's one more centre-half left, and you mentioned left-field choices. This is the most left-field choice on my list and probably one of the most unrealistic ones, but there we are. I've got to Scotland again because there's a defender in there whose analytics are ridiculous and he doesn't play for a good Scottish team either. He's called Juan Portales, Mexican, played in Liga MX for ages, but randomly signed for Dundee and he's been there for about eight months. But he's in the top 10 in the entire of the Scottish League for progressive passes. 
he's averaged around 78.95% accuracy, which is very high from at least 10, just over 10 per 90. Also very good at passes to the final third. His dual metrics are also in the top 15. And that's surprising when, whenever you look at these lists, you always see Celtic and Rangers defenders all the way down, but he plays for Dundee. Strong career in a competitive league in Liga MX. 27, so older than the profile, which is one consideration. He's contracted until 2025. So Pompey would have to pay a reasonable fee for him. But it's just the fact that he's come from Liga MX to Scotland and he's possibly one of the better defenders who doesn't play for a highly fancied team. So that plays into it as well, slightly. Gabe, I don't expect you to know who Juan Portales is <laughs> to add to um, it. but Well, I have got a question for um, for both of you about what we're prioritising here when it comes to Pompey's recruitment, because on the one hand, you're placing Regan Poole, who I remember him, you know, watching him when he was 17, he just had that grace and poise in possession, and I'm sure it's something he's carried through with him for the last 10 years or so. Um, so you're kind of replacing that element to it. Uh, but you're also replacing, I remember after the win at Barnsley, he was saying, minimum now, minimum, and he was grabbing people by the shoulders and, you know, cajoling the troops. Um, and I suppose you've got to try and replace both those things. But I'm wondering if you gamble on someone younger, maybe someone like a Ben Nelson, who we've mentioned earlier, or Rural Walters, um, do you think you've got the leadership in the um, in the other personnel in order to account for losing Regan Poole? It's difficult to tell, isn't it? Because I think, you know, when you've got Connor Shaughnessy at the back as well, he, he's proven to be a real leader. Obviously, you've got Raggett as well in that mix of central defenders who, again, does provide that leadership, I suppose, in, in the camp as such. But yeah. you're right from a starting basis because Paul's more than just a, you know, a flashy, progressive passing sort of defender, isn't he? He's also solid defensively. He helps organise the back monster, four as well. Yeah. Sorry? He's a mentality monster from what I can see as well. Yeah, I know, but I think in January, how do you how do you go out and get a player who who brings all of that without spending a a fortune or you know or b is a realistic target? You know how also, how do you leadership build that is a really hard thing to recruit for in a short space of time. I mean, yeah, I'm sure Richard Hughes has got his plans laid out, but you can look at the the numbers for progressive passes, but you can't really look at the numbers for leadership, can you? So. No, that's why you need to combine the the eye test, I suppose, and the sort of anecdotes and, and the character references and, you know, that kind of stuff alongside the numbers, which is obviously what, what football clubs do, don't they? They they combine yeah. those two things together as well as watching video and all those things together. So it's going to be a difficult thing to replace. I'd probably say one of the most difficult things to replace for us that we're going to talk about. Mm. Um, and on that, we're going to move on to... The sad news of Alex Robertson, unfortunately, being out for the season with a torn hamstring. So what we're looking at, really, there was always a need that, you know, who was going to play Cam 10, you know, even, even I suppose, an attacking eight for us. And we've had Sadie in the middle here, who's done a good job when he's needed to. Uh, and Terry Devlin as well. Obviously, he's only 19 years old, I still think, at this moment in time. He got quite limited experience you know in the EFL so he's sort of finding his game still a little bit at the same time he's had good games like against Reading and he's had other games like against Exeter he's not really made an impact so I think we need to bring somebody in here with a bit more flair shall we say so let's start it off I'm going to start this off with one that's I'd like be interested to hear what you think about this Gabe because I'm going to start off here with Jake Garrett at Blackburn 20 years old 
speaking to people around who talk about Blackburn, they're telling me that the club see him developing into more of an attacking midfielder rather than just a holding player. Blackburn have used him more in a sort of, sort of I don't know, in the sort of double pivot because that's where their club need is. They're keen to develop his attacking game and would see him going out on loan. Now, he's played 11 games so far, nine of those off the bench in the championship with one assist. Mm. He's played in the EFL, sorry, the League Cup. I say the EFL Cup, it might be called that now. In four games, he got three goals and one assist, which he started in all of them. And when he played in the game, which they actually ended up losing, but there we go, he also played as a striker in a 4-1-3-2 formation for Chelsea in the League Cup. And also as a central attacking midfielder for, against Watford in the Championship, he likes to shoot from distance. He's a good passer of the ball. With Blackburn 10 points clear of the drop at the moment, do you see that as a player that A, they'd be willing to move? And B, do you feel that their assessment, Gabe, of maybe him moving further forward and playing a role, you know, a step down in division, that he could be that creative player uh, in sort of a 4-2-3-1? Sure. So I think because Jake Garrett isn't someone who's played an awful lot of championship football, my knowledge on him immediately is a little bit uh, patchy, but um, which is why I've just done a little bit of a quick search from um, sort of people tweeting me about Jake Garrett in the past, just to sort of refresh my memory a bit. Um, I've, I'm going to go back to a tweet from a Blackburn fan called Jack Wormsley from 2021. He said, uh, Jake Garrett is unquestionably a star in the making. He was playing for the under-18s last season, so that would have been the 2021 season, uh, and hugely impressed. Only played a couple for the under-23s because his performances have been that brilliant that he was with the first team now. Uh, so that sounds really encouraging. Um, and, you know, one or two other comments uh, along similar lines. Um, and really impressed in sort of pre-season 2021. Uh, and then from there, um, you know, I've had a couple of responses that have said, you know, he he's one of the budding youngsters at Blackburn that they're really excited about. Um and um, Academy Talents, um, Ethan actually tweeted me saying that uh, him coming into the first team actually helped them at the back end of last season. So that would suggest that would be seem on paper pretty encouraging. On the flip side of that, he hasn't had an awful lot of EFL stats. So it would be a little bit of a risk, but it does. The indications do seem to be that he is a serious talent and it's whether Portsmouth are prepared to take the risk on that. All right. Nice one. Thanks for that. I appreciate that context as well. So, Freddie Webb, I'm going to fire it to you. Right. This is one player who's done particularly well and has been recalled by his parent club. He's done well in League Two as well, so it'd be interesting to hear if he can make potentially make a step up. Uh, Dan Kemp, MK Dons. 14 goals, 6 assists from 7.04 expected goals and 6.11 expected assists. Dribbling is average, but he's fifth in the entire division for centre midfielders in key passes. And a key pass is obviously a pass leading to a, a reasonable chance. His progressive passes is also quite good. So he seems to be a creative midfielder with a bit of a goal-scoring touch thrown in. Obviously, since he's I'm been recalled it. by MK Dons, I assume he'll just want to play for them. I assume that's why they've done it. But I don't know what your thoughts are on Kemp. At all. Yeah, you, you'd, ima- you'd imagine MK Dons have recalled him with a view to bring him into the first team because you've got to f- remember that when they loaned him out in the first place, it was under a manager in Graham Alexander who likes uh, long balls. And then they, they replaced him with Mike Williamson, who's much more of a possession-based coach. Obviously, he's going to have a different kind of view on someone like Kemp. He's wrapped up the numbers both at Swindon and at Hartlepool in the back end of last season. Um, had a crazy goal-scoring record for Hartlepool, even though they were relegated. 
And actually, I'm a little bit surprised to hear that um, his dribbling stats aren't great because um, going back to 2020, when he was on loan at Stevenage, um, I'd encourage any Portsmouth fans to check it out if um, Dan Kemp is linked. He scored an amazing goal for Stevenage. This, Bearing in mind, this was an awful Stevenage side that, you know, yeah, really struggled to score goals upon the lowest goal scoring records. Um, he sort of went on a long mazy run. I think it was away at Exeter in a two one defeat, but it was a long sort of dribbling run. So he's got that in his locker as well as the creative side. He's linked up really well with Jake Young this season as well. So yeah, I like uh, I like Dan Kemp, and I think over the last twelve months he's certainly proved himself enough in League Two. And I think at twenty four he um, he still got some some improvement to go, and you know is relatively speaking on the young side. All right, so we spoke quickly there about looking at League Two. So I'm actually going to go a little bit lower in this sense here. I'm going to talk about looking at Josh Stokes. He plays a centre attacking midfielder for Aldershot, 19 years old. 12 goals so far in the National League. He also played in the FA Cup game. You might remember he played against Stockport and against Swindon, where he picked up three goals in that as well. He recently only joined them from... AFC Sudbury last summer, so it is a big step up, although he's a, he came from the Ipswich Academy, so that's where he, he did his, his trade as such. Obviously, he's then gone back to non-league, built himself up as such. I do know there's a lot of teams apparently interested. There are some championship teams interested in him as well as some League One teams, but obviously Haji Minoga plays at, at right back down at Aldershot, and it's not that far down the road, really. So it wouldn't be an unsettling move for a young player to potentially get more of a shot playing for a League One team rather than making a step up to a championship side. So I'm going to throw the hat in the ring and say... Borough more often on that logic, okay? (laughs) (laughs) If if Gosport Borough had Josh Stokes playing for them, I might be more interested, to be honest, their game. (laughs) Uh, No, I think it's a great point. Um, Do you know what? On the one hand, I want to look at Portsmouth and think you've got a sustainable group of players that's, you know, that's growing and you've got some assets there and you don't want to rely too much on loans, I suppose, is what I'm getting at, because that can really rock your foundations. At the same time, Josh Stokes is someone who's made a massive step up. Um, even to go from AFC Sudbury to Aldershot. And don't get me wrong, he's doing really well there, but that to then I would say somewhere like a Shrewsbury makes more, or maybe a Lincoln makes more sense to me than someone like Portsmouth, where the demands for consistency, but with stepping up two leagues, is so high. And um, while I am a big fan of Dan Kemp and you know JJ McKinnon and Morecambe, I really like as well as a potential uh, talent. I also feel like if you're trying to replace Alex Robertson and the individual quality that he brought and that range of qualities and the consistency he offered in League One. I feel like it's got to be the lane market. That's just my instinct on it. I think with defenders, it's easier to ask a defender to step up. But Alex Robertson's Alex Robertson, you know, um, it's, he's going to be he's going to be tough to replace, and maybe it might have to be the one way you go for a loan. Yeah, it might be. Have you got any suggestions then before we start going to the next players of players you feel that we could we could get on loan who are sort of more attainable then, or you know, could maybe um, slip into well, the first team. I, my knowledge of the youth scene in terms of the Premier League um, PL2 just isn't as isn't as strong, but I would suggest maybe looking at the PL2 and seeing who's who's at Chelsea and who's at Manchester City and who are these sort of the top talents to to get hold of. I would maybe go for that approach because having looked at the attacking midfielders in League One and League Two that are attainable to Portsmouth. I feel like it's going to be a bit of a stretch to find someone who can replace um, Alex Robertson pound for pound. That's just my feeling on it. 
I did have a player who was sort of an honourable mention, I suppose, in that sense, who's a possibility from Arsenal called Ethan Nawiri. Sorry if I've butchered your name there, mate, if you do listen to it, but don't know as much about him. But if we're looking at the at the low market, I suppose, and another player who's got time in the PL2, I'll just throw his name out there because you never know. Might be right here, but... If we're, if we're thinking more down that level, I didn't want to necessarily flood the podcast with PLT players, but on that idea, maybe someone like Ethan Nawari, who's an attacking midfielder, um, maybe will fit the bill better. I know he's highly thought of at Arsenal. Um, I will move it on then, Freddie Webb. Okay, I've got. Uh, this is probably the player on my list that I would want Pompey to sign the most. I do think it's realistic. But before I say, I say his name, Gabe, have you... You mentioned to me about JJ McKinn, and I do like him. Do you think he can actually make the proper step up to League One? Because whenever I see um, him playing D2, he's quite good. Yeah, I really like JJ McKinn, and definitely. Um, I think he's a huge talent. I think he's very agile. He seems to be able to slip away from uh, opposing midfielders and slot through passes on the turn. So uh, I really do like him. I think he's got a lot of energy as well. I think he's got a big future with uh, with Northern Ireland too. Um Again, it's literally just that um, we're comparing him to Alex Robertson, and I I just feel like the lane market is is your best bet. That could be potential, but there is one player who I found that Gabe has heard of, thankfully, even though he's played in Scotland. He uh, this player has played in the Championship previously, and I think Gabe would have seen him on TV quite a few times. A proper creative, that number ten that we've always wanted, Gary Roberts esque. We've ch- we talked about him for years. In the age profile at 25, six months left on his deal, Jan Dander at Ross County. Now, if you remember Jan Dander, he played for Swansea in the championship yeah. a while back. It were, sort of disappeared and played for Ross County, even in Scottish Championship for a little bit. Currently in the SPL, two goals and two assists, but with 4.83 expected assists, so he's currently should be setting up double the amount of goals. A high number of offensive duels, so when, it, when he's... On the ball, he gets involved in battles with defenders. Messina really likes that, with Andrew and Sadie having high numbers. He's got very good dribbling stats as well, 3.99 dribbles per 90, with just over half accuracy, according to Scout. Up there in the top five for key passes per 90 with centre midfielders. He is the complete flair player. My only criticism is he can't do the one bit of Alex Robertson's game that I really like, which is come back and get involved in the battles deeper in midfield and in the tackles. He's played in physical league, so he can do that. He's just not as good. He's not like the Alex Robertson player who can play deeper and play 10. Jan Dander is an out-and-out number 10 cam. But obviously... Can I, um, actually, before we sort of dive into that, can I ask about the composition of Portsmouth's um, sort of formation? Because... I've definitely noticed Alex Robertson likes to press sometimes. Would you say that he presses as part of a front four? And would you say that he operates more aggressively in the press or did do so than maybe Abu Kamara and Paddy Lane? Because I know there had been some talk about Paddy Lane's relationship with Jack Sparks at the left back. So how much for the wide forwards is it about the relationships with the fullbacks and how much of it is about them pressing? And then how does that sort of affect the role for the number 10? I would say the number 10 definitely does a lot of the pressing, especially when Alex Robertson played there, and especially when Sadie played there as well, because Sadie's physical presence, I think there was one highlight where he got into like four tackles and still managed to get the ball 
and close down everything. So the number 10 do, does a lot of pressing and a lot of hard work off the ball. It's all, it, when we had the luxurious midfield three of Robertson, Packer, Morel, which on paper is ridiculous, it was very fluid. One would drop back and the other would fill in the gap, even though Marlon Pack would usually be the more defensive and reliable steadfast bit. So it would have to be someone who gets involved in the press. And I certainly think Yang Dander's got the agility and the physicality to do that. Mm. It just depends. That, and as a plus point, he plays for a Derek Adams side and they don't like playing football properly either. So fingers crossed we can actually sign him. But no, he just, he, I think he just has the pedigree for it. I think. And previous championship experience, obviously he's not going to be Alex Robertson, but I think he's going into his prime and has been under the radar for ages, and his advanced stats are good, and he's on six bumps left of his deal, and he plays for a Scottish team that isn't up there with the big boys. I think that's the sort of player I also that's remember fit. Jan Dander was very highly rated as a teenager, which kind of comes back to the theme we were talking about earlier. And maybe his career so far hasn't quite gone to plan. Um, what's, he, what's his age now? Did you, tell me, did you say his age, Freddie? He's uh, 25. 25, yeah. So he's still, I think that still kind of comes into that sort of bracket that we've talked about with their recruitment. Because I remember when he went to Swansea at first, he was um, very highly rated at Liverpool, I think it was. He had a good reputation there. So, um, yeah, he's, he's clearly a talent. And I suppose, having been schooled at Liverpool, you'd imagine that he's got that pressing aspect ingrained in him. So, um, yeah, I could, I could see that. Looks like a bit of a hit there, Fred. It seems to have covered the bases. So let's see if we can pull that one off. I've got a few of the players, but they're not really hitting the spec as the conversation's gone on. So I don't want to start rattling off players that maybe, as we've gone through this conversation, don't necessarily fit with the vibe. So, Fred, have you got any more players you want to do? And then we'll revert to Gabe and see if he's got anyone else he wants to add to the mix. Well, obviously, we mentioned both of us mentioned beforehand at Georgia about George Byers. Obviously, we don't like to go back to ex-Pompey players because you think that's a bit lazy. But if you remember that Sheffield Wednesday side that got brought to George, George Byers was a pivotal part of that. And at the moment, yeah. he hasn't hit hit it in the championship as much as Sheffield Wednesday would like. So if he was available and Pompey actually played him properly as a number 10 with the, with the, with the football on the actual ground, then I think he'd be the sort of player that Pompey could go after, and he's still I, I can, young. Yeah, ish. I, I can definitely um, uh, vouch for George Byers. I remember watching him um, for Sheffield Wednesday against Ipswich back in September, and you could see that structurally Wednesday had their issues. But I remember the second half of that game; he was the one driving them forward. I am a little bit surprised it hasn't quite worked for out for him um, broadly this season. But I would say I would be very much inclined to say he'd go back to being one of the top midfielders in League One because when he got injured for Wednesday last season, that coincided with their really difficult run that kind of jeopardised their automatic chances. Um, so, yeah, I could definitely go with that. Although mid, um, I see him maybe in a deeper midfield role rather than necessarily being a number 10. Uh, I don't think he'd be an Alex Robertson replacement as such. So that would be the question I'd ask, because I think, you, I, well, to my eyes, he well stopped in the deep midfield positions because he got likes of Ben Stevenson, for example, as backup to Morel and Pack. Yeah, it's interesting because when he played for Pompey, we played him very deep, almost in a defensive midfield role. We didn't really give him enough creativity, creativity to be able to bring the ball out or pass it out and, and sort of play that passing game and get things ticking. 
yes, we do have that that deeper sort of cover. And it's actually been something we've been talking about because Alex Robertson's actually played a lot of his games in the deeper position as well. So it's it's an interesting one. You're covering Alex Robertson because I kind of feel like we needed someone to play 10. But a lot of his good performances also came in a deeper role, didn't they, Fred? So although our positional need is potentially in that sort of number 10 cam role, a lot of the good work that Alex Robertson's actually done for us has also been in a deeper role. So... You could, Hugh, could I argue though? You've, um, mm. Terry Devlin, I, I would imagine Terry Devlin is kind of the backup to Joe Morrell, you'd say, and then, or as an option. Uh, and then you've got Ben Stevenson, who could sort of be interchangeable with both Pack or, uh, or Morrell. Um, so I would suggest that a natural number 10 is more of what Portsmouth require, even though I do take your point that Robertson has played deeper at times. I just feel like a deep midfield isn't the number one priority for Pompey. No, I agree with that. It's one of those positions we are actually well stocked in. Although I'd say with Devlin, they've actually tried to to push him a bit further forward or onto the left-hand side even. So against Reading, you saw he played basically close to Bishop and he was told to stay around Bishop, you know, get the balls when Bishop's sort of like collecting it and to almost be that player running off him, which is where he got that goal from. And when we looked at him and spoke to the guys when we signed him, I think he was second in the League of Ireland or whatever for... um, offensive jewels you know winning the ball back high he does a lot of that so he's a bit more of an industrious high option if that makes sense you know like he gets up 10 sort of thing exactly yeah so i think that's maybe where i see him him filling in rather than filling in for pack for instance which i don't really see it as a as an option but you could do the joe morell role definitely as a sort of much more sort of box-to-box ball winning sort of midfielder Gabe, do you have any more suggestions then before we wrap on to the next position, which is going to be out wide? Um, well, I'd like to take us on to the wide options because I really like uh, Corey Blackett-Taylor at uh, Charlton Athletic. Uh, this is a really quick winger who can play on either side. Um, and I think that would work quite nicely because rather than signing two wingers to, can, to sort of cover Lane and Kamara, you could kind of get, you know, two for the price of one because you've got Blackett-Taylor who can play on either side. So you don't have four wingers where every game two of them are disgruntled. Uh, so I personally, I feel like that could work quite nicely. Might take a bit of a transfer fee to prize him away from the addicts. But yeah, I think he's quick. I think he's direct. I think he'd offer something different. Yeah, Blackett-Taylor was literally top of my list for wingers. So I do have some... Stats to back it up there. And I swear Pompey fans have been talking about Blackett Taylor for about two seasons because every time he plays against Pompey, he's very good. But mm. no, he, he he was the name on everybody's lips. And also at 26 years old, he's just entering his prime as well. He's still just about in the age profile. And I just think with wing, it's a difficult one, like we mentioned. Obviously, you've got Lane and Kamara both playing very well. But if they run out of steam... Scully's obviously had that period where he's been a bit shaky because he basically, whenever he's played for Pompey, the majority of the time he's been carrying an injury. So you have to take that with a grain of salt. Gavin White has been okay, but not spectacular and has underwhelmed in certain periods, even though Massino trusts him having played with him. And Josh Martin definitely looks like a squad depth option. Who played play for Norwich, who was confirmed in the news that they were going to extend into the end of the season. So you don't even know if he's going to be extended beyond that even. So no, Blackett Taylor with eight goals and six assists in the league from 6.98 expected and 4.7 expected assists. One of the most productive wingers in the league. Ridiculous in the dribble. And I do think that could be a massive thing because imagine Bishop running into the penalty area late 
with Blackett-Taylor already on the byline attacking a fullback massively. I think that's big. I've seen in media reports that Blackett-Taylor has been linked with championship clubs. Derby County is another one. If he is available, then Pompey have to be at least trying to sign him. Obviously, if he goes to a championship club, different matter entirely, that's fine. But he's the sort of player who could Pompey could bring in and if promotion happens, be there as part of the squad afterwards. So no, he good shout, Gabe. He's my top pick out wide, I think. Am I right in saying his contract's up in the summer? I'll have to have a look. I don't have it in front of me. Double check that. Um, and I'll move on to the next one at the same time. Because if that is the case, Cholton will try and cash in on him if he's not going to sign a new contract, which I think is what's been mooted there. Let's talk about Jack Hancock's love child, Felix Patterson from Fleetwood. Now, Jack's been going on about him for a while now. Obviously, Fleetwood bombed the league, financial issues. Don't know how that works out. I'm not, I'm not a Fleetwood financial expert, but a direct running winger who's good underlying numbers. Go and read more about it on Jack's Medium page if you want a full description for it. But he's just a snapshot. He's in the 94% percentile top for crossing per 90, 88% top for successful dribbles per 90, 97% for expected assists per 90, playing for a really naff team, let's be honest, at the moment in Fleetwood. So 23 years old, fits the recruitment model, obviously would require a fee, but could be a player, I think, there that we could bring in and a bit like we did with Paddy Lane, who also wasn't necessarily playing all the time either at Fleetwood and has come in and been a bit of a hit success for us. So Phoenix Patterson, 23 from Fleetwood. Yeah, he's someone who's um, come into the Fleetwood team uh, recently, who's um, in the last couple of years. He's only 23, but he's not got an awful lot of EFL experience because he was at Waterford uh, before that. He's clearly got um, an eye for goal based on his time at um, at Waterford. Hasn't quite translated there, but he's a bright, uh, a bright, versatile wide man um, who's, um, yeah, I think he's decent. I'm not sure that he's... Um, necessarily one that I would sort of hang the hat on making a difference uh, in terms of, you know, Portsmouth promotion push right here, right now. So a slightly different bracket, I'd maybe say, to a, um, a Blackett Taylor, but um, I think he could be a decent investment. Go on then, Fred. I do have one more winger <laughs> who's, been, who's been having a very good season in League Two and is one of the most productive wingers in that division. Are you going to steal my Carl McAllister pick, Fred? Uh, I was, yeah. So we can go on. tag go team it. on. The, we can tag team. No, on Carl go on, Freddie. I suppose. Go on, a bit um, of friendly banter. Let's have it. <laughs> three goals and five assists in League Two, from four point one four expected and six point three six expected assists, which is the third in League Two for wingers. I like him due to the fact he's got a very high crossing accuracy and puts in a lot of crosses. He averages four point two three per 90 according to Scout, and is, and is accurate just over 50% of the time, which I think is quite impressive. Dribbling less so. He also gets involved in the battles as well. Very physical player who could potentially jump into a high press since he gets involved in the tackles a lot. It's due to the fact that I looked at his metrics and they looked very good for League 2 and is in the age profile at 24 and could potentially make the step up and not be required to potentially start ahead of Kamara in lane but be in but be a very good depth option to come on and then obviously next season with losing Abu Kamara Bakasta might be able to fit right in 
No, I, th- I think that's a great point. I'd like to uh, suggest Adam Mayer at Morgan, who's a yeah, versatile left-sided player. Um, I don't know if you need uh, any cover for Jack Sparks at left-back, but I could definitely see him having a similar combination if he needed to with Paddy Lane, who... Um, I get the impression they have a really good relationship and I feel like, um, you know, if you need to replace Lane with, Lane with Adam Mayer, he'd be able to do that. And if you need to replace Sparks with Adam Mayer, he'd be able to do that. So give you some nice flexibility, I think, because of his versatility. Uh, his deliveries are, are excellent. Um, he's a very technical uh, left-sided player as well with a great work ethic. Um, and he's a huge talent as well. And um, again, not necessarily someone who I'd expect to make all the difference for Portsmouth promotion push, uh, but he's only nineteen, I think. So he's um, a huge talent, and I think he'd be. Um, uh, I'd highly recommend him. I'm going to pop up back up to the championship and say, go back to my mates at Blackburn and suggest Dylan Markenday, twenty-two years old, can play right wing or left wing. He's played. He's he's sort of like been a very bit part player. He's come on as a sub eight times for. For Blackburn this season in 14 games, scoring one goal. They've tried to play him a bit more in the EFL Cup. He started three games in there. He's got one goal. I've been told he needs to kickstart his career. Maybe he's a little bit streaky, but maybe stepping down into League One's what he needs for sort of a tricky attacking winger um, who can play on both sides. He's naturally left-footed. I assume he'd probably want to play on the right then and cut inside, but again, could be a decent player. I'm not sure if Blackburn would want to sell him or if it would be a loan deal. But again, at 22 years old, that's a sort of fringe championship player that maybe could make an impact. Also, I like the idea of having an inside forward to the right of Colby Bishop, because I think probably an externally underrated aspect of Bishop's game is his positional intelligence and his link-up play um, and how he can vacate certain positions and allow other players to uh, to break into them. Um, so I um, I could definitely see Mark Ande fitting into that. I feel like he's someone who was very highly rated at Tottenham as a youngster. And since, um, you know, from then, he's probably not had the start to his senior career that maybe he would have hoped for, because I think he's had one or two loans that have been a bit hit and miss. So I, do you know what? I would say this is the kind of one where if you signed him permanently, he'd be a good long-term investment. If you're able to get him on a two and a half year deal and help him settle and find a home somewhere. I'm not necessarily sure I would back him to instantly because he doesn't have that sort of momentum. Normally in a promotion push, you want to bring in players who have got a bit of momentum behind them. I wouldn't necessarily say Dylan Marcande has that, but I do think that if you can give him some support and, you know, help him find a home and set, um, sounds like he's a lost dog, doesn't he? Uh, <laughs> um, you know, help him sort of settle down somewhere. And then, uh, you know, that, that might help him get, help get the best out of him over a couple of years. Is there anyone else you want to mention, Fred or Gabe? Do you want to, anyone want to speak up? Mention anyone else before I move on to forwards? I think I've gone for all my wingers, I believe. It's a strange, it feels a bit strange to talk about wingers considering the depth there, but the problem is the depth hasn't stepped up. So, yeah, if it's a game changer, I think Pompey do need to invest in the wide areas, I think. Yeah, you can't keep playing the same two players, especially when you look at the fact that you know, Kamara is basically playing a first full season, effectively, isn't he, as well? And we see what's happened with Robertson. Obviously, it could be a freak, whatever, but he wasn't playing game in, game out. And we know what the EFL is like doing that as well. So 
we don't want to burn him out in the in the running. So we really need another player to come in. I think they know that as well. It's been mooted. It's been spoken about. I think they've got Josh Martin in as cover. I mean, don't know if you know Gabe, but he was training with the team for ages until sort of November, unsigned effectively. Mm-hmm. We picked him up really to cover for injuries and then on a short deal until January. And then they just yeah. sort of rolled it on. Do you think you, you're going to extend his contract or... Because he's not really played much, have they? It was announced today they've extended it until the end of this season okay. for cover. Um, so, it's, so it's definitely a short-term thing. And mm-hmm. it's sort of like a prove-it deal. So if you play, he's play, made about three appearances, done okay, but he's definitely looked like a player who hasn't had a proper preseason and hasn't had a lot of match sharpness about him. Mm-hmm. So if he if he plays and he kicks on, he's the sort of player who might get another year on top. But he's but, the sort of player who's currently. That, sorry, what I'd say to that, Freddie, is the difference between having Josh Martin on the bench to having someone like Corey Blackett Taylor on the bench could be the difference between finishing third and finishing second or first. Oh, 100%. Yeah. I think that's why we're looking at this and seeing who's maybe a bit more high end talent, I think, is needed. The ability to be a bit more of a game changer out wide because. Mm-hmm. When you look at our wide players, they're so important to how we score goals, how we create goals. Um, especially when you've got someone like Bishop, who's link up plays so integral to how we play forward, you need those players sort of running past him. And when you watch a lot of our chances, you, you see the wide players, the lanes, the, the Kamara's sort of, you know, getting around the back and being played in behind, for instance, and, and creating chances that way. So if you lose one or, you know, even two of those players, you're, you're really in trouble. So I definitely think Blackett Taylor would be the dream. But there's some really good suggestions here that we've gone through, I think, as well. Let's wrap it into strikers then. I have really struggled to find a strikers that I think is A, attainable, B, would want to come and play necessarily behind Colby Bishop in that situation because we only play one up top. And then you've got Yengi coming back from the Asia Cup, playing for Australia currently. Hopefully he comes back fit. Mm. But if you, if they get injured, we haven't really got anyone else to play. So you, what you don't want to happen is Bishop gets injured again because obviously he picked up an injury and he's recovered from it. Yengi picks up a knock against, uh, you know, when he's away or whatever. And then we have a situation where we've got effectively no strikers mm-hmm. except Sadie, who has pretty much shown he's much better in that 10 role, linking up play a lot deeper. I'm not sure his finishing is good enough in that sense to be an out-and-out it, number nine. That- is that a solution to the Alex Robertson injury then? Could Christian Sadie basically become the um, the person who steps up? He's been doing that to a certain level, but he's been making a lot more impact from the bench, I think, rather than right. starting. He, he sort of right. comes on when we, you know, when the ball's not sticking at all and we're struggling to pass the ball up, he's been a really good option to, you know, use his strength and, and sort of hold on to the ball well and allow Pompey to, to get out of their own half, I suppose, and get forward a bit more. I don't know if Fred's got anything else to add on that. He's definitely that industrial attacking midfielder that Massinho has liked to deploy from the bench. Um, Tino Andrin did that a little bit as well whenever he played and came on. Just a player to get in the faces of the opposition, get on the ball and then pass it, but also have good movement off the ball to always be in the position to receive a pass. I don't think he obviously hasn't got the flair like Alex Robertson, hasn't got the turn, the silky pass. But I think Massino definitely sees him like a very, very strong impact player, one of the best squad depth players you could have. But if you ask him to start week in, week out, it might be a different matter. Can I um, throw a bit of a wild card over to you? Omar Bajil 
at um, AFC Wimbledon, I really like because I think he's one of the reasons why Ali Al Hamadi is he is massively in demand, and he'll probably go for um, uh, to go to a championship club for two plus million pounds. Uh, but Bajil is basically got elements of a target man, but he's got really good link up play, and he's selfless, and he works really hard. Pretty much a um, very similar description to what you'd give to Colby Bishop, and I would say if you're in a situation where you don't want to risk a Colby Bishop getting injured and losing his quality, and more importantly, losing the style of player that you've got in Colby Bishop and the the range of qualities that he offers. Someone who can offer sim- uh, a similar skill set to Colby Bishop without necessarily quite being as good uh, for the second half of the season. I would actually look at Omar Bajil because I think that his range of qualities is pretty unique in the lower divisions. And while he's 30, so he wouldn't be a um, a big asset and he's not someone who's got history in the lower leagues. I think it's very going to be very difficult to get someone who can be back up to Colby Bishop um, with the same sort of qualities other than, you know, other than Bajil. Because if you go into the loan market, you might be able to get that sort of quality. But then the, the parent club would expect that player to start regularly and that's not something you can guarantee. Whereas if you want to rest Bishop for the odd game, in the second half of the season, or you need to cover him. I think Omar Bajil would be the sort of player that you could bring into that centre-forward position, and he could have that relationship with the wide forwards cutting inside and maybe your number 10 breaking forward um, because of you know how his mind works and how he plays is just very similar to Colby Bishop. So Omar Bajil would be my shout. It's a good shout, and... It's interesting because Pompey are sort of in discussion. It's, it was spoke about that Riley Towler might go back out on loan to AFC Wimbledon to get some some game time. They're you know they're a club that we we speak to as such, so there might be a bit of a direct link of communication there. Don't know if that matters, but that's one of those things to take into consideration if we're already talking about giving them a centre back. You never know what can happen there as well. At the same time, I suppose. But let's quickly then go into some suggestions for strikers. Then I'm going to wrap this up edit it and let Gabe go because he's given us a lot of his time but when we look at strikers I suppose as we said I don't feel you can loan a striker in this situation so then you're sort of looking at strikers potentially in the leagues below I looked at Michael Mellon for instance Burnley striker he got recalled from Morecambe um, 13 goals one assist in 22 games he's obviously shown he can score at league two level he's played a part in 38% of Morecambe's goals this season strong finisher take a free kick all right I know Derek Adams wants him at Ross County. Maybe he goes there, Freddie, and we can get the attacking midfielder. Who knows? But I'd want to know what you think, really, Gabe, on the theory of do you dip down to League Two and you'd have to spend some money, wouldn't you, necessarily? Well, not League Two, but I suppose this is a bit of a hybrid option, isn't it? Because he's coming yeah. from Burnley, but at the same time, he's been playing his trade in League Two. Yeah, and um, I think there's... Um location might be an issue with Michael Mellon as well as the likelihood of him starting regularly. Um, I would imagine that Burnley would want him, probably will loan him out to to League One, Um, but I I think they'd probably want him to go somewhere where there's a higher chance of him starting regularly, Um, much though there would be an appeal to him being part of a promotion push and, you know, the experience that comes with that. Um, I've got a feeling he might go to Fleetwood because I think he's actually a Fleetwood fan from his time watching um, his father, Mickey Mellon, uh, manage Fleetwood to the conference title in 11-12, I want to say. It might 
be 10, 11, one of those seasons. Um, so yeah, I think I think there's a possibility that he'll um, he might go on loan to Fleetwood, where Charlie Adam, who was the Burnley loan manager, has gone. Uh, so that would make sense from a lot of angles. Yeah, I'm not sure. So I do like the idea of Michael Mellon. I think he could make a real impact, but I'm not necessarily convinced that you'd get him. Yeah, and no, I was thinking as well, he might end up at a team like, I don't know, Lincoln, maybe? Someone who need a striker up front, who are missing Lincoln one. Lincoln have actually got far. Joe Taylor from, um, from Luton, but yeah, ah, I, I, okay. I get your point. Someone a bit lower down the, the, the table, possibly. Fred, have you got any suggestions before I wrap this up for striker? No, he's shaking his head. Gabe, have you got any more suggestions? And I'm just going to call it a night and let you go home. I'm, I'm going to stick with uh, my own Bajil shout because <laughs> if I look at the top strikers in league two you're looking at the likes of paul mullin at wrexham or macaulay langstaff at notts county mullins i i don't think you you're affording him because of the money that wrexham have got and macaulay langstaff even you know notts county fans are saying you'd take that i'd take a couple of million and i'm not sure it's necessarily worth uh paying that sort of money for someone that probably wouldn't fit into the system or the dynamics of how you operate anyway. So I would rather pay a six-figure fee for someone like Omar Bajil, who would be a much smoother stylistic fit than paying a seven-figure fee and having them not necessarily fit into the strategy anyway. All right, Pompey fans, you heard it there. Bajil, let's see if it happens. Let's round this up then. Freddie, it's been awesome having you on the podcast. Hi, pleasure. It's a pleasure to be on. And uh, yeah, nice to be back at Fratton Park this Saturday. Yeah, I can't wait for it. And um, Gabe, why don't you tell Pompey fans, because they probably know already, let's be honest, they've all listened to this, they've all seen your other content, but why don't you tell them where they can find your stuff online? Yeah, thanks so much for having me, folks. Um, yeah, you can drop me a follow um, at Gab Sutton on Twitter. I have lots of conversation starters across the EFL that uh, you can reply from the perspective of your team. You'll see what I mean if you go to my account at Gab Sutton. I also have um, a podcast called EFL Debate. We have three separate podcasts covering each of the leagues. Uh, League One is on Wednesday nights at seven o'clock. That's on every Wednesday. So uh, you can drop me a follow at Gab Sutton and follow the hashtag EFL debate. Yeah, definitely give Gabe Sutton um, a follow. It's amazing. And also, if you want to go listen to something Pompey related, you can go back and listen to the, I think the last episode was with uh, PO Forecast co host Jack, Jack Hancock. Yeah. So, yes. by the way, I said Pompey would win the league before the start of the season in my season preview. Not everyone had, had them right up there. So, I'm going to be a little bit smug about that if it comes off. You be smug away. We'll be smug with you if that happens. <laughs> Let's all be smug together. But Let's hopefully some of these hopefully some of these transfers come off and then we can see a decent squad and, and see the running. Nice. But thanks everyone for listening and until next time. You have been listening to the PO forecast for Pompey News Now. Available on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Follow PO Forecast at Pompey News Now on Twitter for more information. And there is the full-time whistle! <laughs> <laughs>